This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. A one-world government is the only way to save humanity, declared Pope Francis. Let me repeat that. Pope Francis declared a one-world government is the only way to save humanity. Not Christ, not the salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, but a one-world government. That's the only way to save humanity, declared Pope Francis, who claims to be the vicar of Christ himself. Well, there's another one. There's another one who claims to be the promised one of all nations and religions. He claims to be the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the world's Savior and Redeemer, is promised in all sacred scriptures. His name is Bahu'u'llah. Bahu'u'llah, the founder of the Baha'i faith in the latter half of the 19th century. His son, Abdul Baha, was his appointed successor. He gave many public dissertations in America in 2012, which were published in the Promulgation of Universal Peace, declaring Baha'i, the religion, to be the foundation of all divine religions, being one, and ultimately consolidated and expressed in what is known as Baha'i. But for anybody not familiar with Baha'i, What we're going to reveal here today on Viewpoint may seem kind of strange, even absurd, arrogant, and maybe even blasphemous. But we have to realize that it's seriously believed by millions and received as a premier coalescing force by the United Nations itself for giving ultimate birth to the New World Order. The Baha'i is believed to be the gospel glue to bind the peoples of our planet into a glorious unity by accepting all religions or non-religions, beliefs is equally authoritative to be not only respected, but accepted. And if you were to go to Illinois, you would find the Baha'i Temple, a nine-sided building representing the world's nine living religions, symbolizing the unity of all religions. So... Maybe it becomes understandable then why Baha'i is promoted vigorously by the United Nations and plays a major part in all United Nations spiritual events. Its international headquarters is dramatically displayed in Haifa, Israel, a former demonstration of the decisive presence in the United Nations. And Baha'i eagerly awaits the man be he Messiah or Antichrist, who will usher in global peace and holds as one of their central missions the establishment of a united global commonwealth that will control all things political, financial, and spiritual. Welcome to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. I trust that today will be no exception And as we look at something that may be totally unfamiliar to you, but it's not unfamiliar to the United Nations and certainly not to Pope Francis. So welcome to the rebuilding of the ancient Tower of Babel, the teachings for the New World Order, 
the spirit which never departed from God defying humanity, there in Genesis chapter 11, determined to democratically define our own destiny, yours and mine, without divine submission. So the world's elite have determined that the time is very short, and though we must do, we must do quickly. So, we need to find out what this really is. And maybe for that, we turn to the World Tribune, May 17th, 2021, where the headline reads, The Great Reset Timeline from 2014 to 2021. Seven years. Well, it was a euphemism for one world government. The Great Reset came out of the World Economic Forum. And people like U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry were clamoring for this new global order and for a global crisis to latch on to. And that came conclusively to the world in 2020. You may remember the World Economic Forum founder, Klaus Schwab, one of the architects of the Great Reset, made this statement, the pandemic represents a narrow but... A, a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. The Great Reset calls for a complete makeover of society under a technocratic regime of unelected bureaucrats who want to dictate how w- the world is to run from top down. To track and trace your every move while censoring and even silencing anyone who dares not comply. All of this crusaded for by Bill Gates, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and so many others. Today on Viewpoint, we continue to take a look at the competing messiahs. You see, we think we know, in fact, most of us are convinced that we know who the messiah is. Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth, who in the fullness of time was sent by the Father to bring a message to planet Earth, to demonstrate and reveal Father God, who he was, the creator of the universe, in living color, in the flesh, on this planet. He came once to save us from our sin And the Bible says he's coming again to judge us in and for our sin. Well, that's the short picture of it. But in the meantime, we're waiting for that second coming. In the meantime, we're waiting for that moment, the fullness of time, when the end of the period of the rulership of the Gentiles is completed and Israel becomes the foremost Uh, shall we say, epicenter of the world and the nations of the world. In the meantime, there is a movement. There is a movement that is so powerful that they would virtually execute a candidate for the presidency of the United States by any means possible, legally, financially, spiritually, even physically. They want to get rid of him because he said he was going to make America great again, 
And that went totally against the very concept of a new one-world government. But the U.N. is very much in favor of that one-world government, as are most of the non-God-fearing leaders in this country and around the world. And there is one religious group you may not know much about, but we're going to talk about that group here today on Viewpoint. It's called Baha'i. The United Nations Savior. Mm Mm-hmm. The United Nations Savior. It fits everything that Pope Francis has ever talked about. Remember, he said a one-world government is the only way to save humanity. And he believes the United Nations is established for that purpose. We'll be back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. It should become apparent to everyone listening to this program over, say, a period of uh, a month or two that we are facing, the world and its leaders are moving inexorably toward the consummation of a global government intended to merge economics and law, to redefine morality and spirituality into a new order of the ages commonly known as a new world order or a global government. And that vision is that history as we've known it will be done away with in favor of the fulfillment of a vast and all-encompassing unity or oneness of humanity that is intended to supersede, rise above all previous historical efforts for one world dominion. In other words, this is the final effort. Mankind will have finally reached... Uh, the divine pinnacle where all are honored as becoming gods in their own right. So if you're all becoming gods in our own right, thereby removing all cause forever dissension, bringing heaven on earth in absolute harmony, because how could we dispute with one another if we're all gods? So it's bringing heaven to earth in absolute harmony, referred to historically, generally, as a utopia. But what universal dogma or teachings would undergird such a vision? Well, that brings us to the Baha'i teachings for the New World Order. I have in my hand, friends, And I think this came from a realtor. Uh, There was a friend of mine in Southern California. But it's a little blue booklet. And on the front cover, it says, Baha'i, Teachings for the New World Order. Now, that should say right on its face, then, what this is all about. So what is it all about? 
That's what we want to find out. What is it all about, and why is it the United Nations embraces this quasi-religious teaching that purports to bring all thinking, all reasoning, philosophies, and religion, and so on, together into one cohesive, universally embraceable belief system to unite the world for its final utopian harmony as the resurrected Tower of Babel. We're going to take a look at what that looks like here on Viewpoint today in the balance of our time. I want to make available to you a copy of my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, because inside that book you will find numerous competitors for the role of Messiah that you would not normally think of in that way. But they do. And one of the greatest ones of all is Baha'i, the United Nations Savior. The one that the United Nations, 192, whatever, 192 nations, come together and say, wow, this is, the, this is it. This is it. To bring together the oneness of mankind, universal peace upheld by a world government, independent investigation of truth, the common foundation of all religions, the essential harmony of science and religion, equality of men and women, elimination of prejudice of all kinds, universal compulsory education under Baha'i, a spiritual solution to economic problems and a universal language. Those are the Baha'i principles. In effect, the new gospel for global oneness Unity and shalom, or peace, to which the peoples, the world's peoples, have to be evangelized. That's correct. You heard the term correctly, evangelized. So as we look at this, it is going to be quite astounding, but you need to get a copy of the book Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. One of the great chapters in that book is called The United Nations Savior, Chapter 12. Beginning with the words of Pope Francis, a one-world government is the only way to save humanity. That's what the Vicar of Christ says. Is he speaking ex-cathedral? Ex-cathedra? How is he speaking? Is he speaking as God? Is he speaking as Christ? Does Christ really call for a one-world government? Pope Francis does, ostensibly speaking, as the very presence and vicar of Christ on this planet. The book, a $22 book, yours for $20, on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org, you can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Before we go further and we unveil this uh, uh, fascinating Baha'i organization, Teachings for the New World Order, I want to suggest to you that as you see, as we see the time approaching more rapidly than any would care to believe, the time of the Lord's return, the time of 
all of the prophesied events, we talk about them regularly here on this program. We're doing everything we can to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. We're doing everything that we can here to disciple for destiny, to prepare God's people to be able to stand in the evil day and having it all to stand to stand. We're doing everything that we can to encourage people to cast a vision for people and their lives, to walk with the Lord in the light of his word. As the song says, what a glory then he will shed on our ways. When we do his good will, he will abide with us still and with all who will trust and obey. We're doing our best to bring such a cohesive method, method and message to God's people. But we need you to be God's hand extended and our voice extended to those around you. To get the message out so that more and more people will be able to listen and be strengthened, encouraged, wooed, warned, whatever is necessary. I hope you're doing that. I know that we have many listeners who have told perhaps a dozen people, some more, some maybe a little less. But have you? You see, you can do something. You can make a difference. You may not be able to be on the air. Such a great privilege as we have here. You may not be able to be on the air, but you can make as much a difference by just touching one other person, and you don't know what will happen. God will do through that one person you touch. Email them. Call them. Send them a text concerning the program. Direct them to listen to a series of programs. Provide a copy of one of the books. All of these are ways that you can make a difference. I remember the words of Edmund Burke back there in uh, not-so-jolly old England back in the 1700s. He said, I can't do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I should do, and by the grace of God, I will do. So I'm just exhorting you here as to how you can make a difference. One person at a time. It's not about some grand, great organization about there. It's about a voice. In times like these, God raises up a voice. And you can be part of the, shall we say, the echoing of that voice. You may not think of yourself as that voice, but you may be like a transmitter. And in this day and age, there are radio stations, and then there are transmitters that are of a much smaller power that transmit the signal of the larger station. You see, you can be a transmitter. I hope that in these brief words that it has instilled somehow in you an understanding as to the role that you can play. And then you trust the Lord. You and I can't make anything happen. Nothing. 
All we can do is do what God asks us to do and gives us an opportunity to do, and then we trust him with the results, don't we? All right, that having been said, I want to uh, uh, lay out for you how seriously this uh, matter of Baha'i affects our world, even though you may not even know about it and may not have ever heard of it. So I've laid out to you the Baha'i principles. There were excerpts from the public presentations of Abdul Baha'i in America in 1912 that were published in what was called the Promulgation of Universal Peace. And those principles that formed the foundation not only of the Baha'i faith, but also of its embrace by the United Nations, which interestingly, both Pope Francis and Pope Benedict have declared to be the unifying hope of humanity and even called for a greater supranational body for the universal common good and for a new evangelization of, evangelization of society. You heard those words correctly, friends. That's what Pope Francis and Benedict called for the unifying hope of humanity, a greater supranational body, in other words, a one-world order, for the, quote, universal common good, unquote, and for, quote, new evangelization of society, unquote. This is how the Vatican, heading up the papacy of the Roman Catholic Church, intends to bring the world under its mothering wings. It may seem strange to you, because there are so many uh, people who are either were either raised as Catholics or are currently Catholics listening to this program. It's hard for you to embrace what the history, the depth of the history of the papacy is all about, and what their goals and their vision is. The vision of the papacy, by the way, is not to rule the world from Rome, but to rule the world from the Temple Mount, from Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, by their own declarations. But they believe, they believe that they need a unifying universalizing system, belief system, in order to bring it all together and make it possible. And that's where Baha'i comes in, particularly with the United Nations. So, as we know, every religious persuasion has its own dogma or doctrine, teachings, and the the dogma of the emerging one-world religion reflects what you could call a fusion of man's best human-inspired efforts to replace the need for a God-designed and defined salvation with a, a, a glorious new stew of utopian geopolitics, environmentalism, socialism, universalism, and the best acceptable blend of all religious beliefs so that a man created heaven on earth can become a reality. 
The year I was born, 1945, the United Nations was formed. And embrace was embraced as the institution of world salvation, requiring just maybe a few corrective tweaks for its soon-coming redemptive one-world order to take place. So if we want to put this historic moment in perspective, spiritual perspective, we go back to Pope Francis. Pope Francis addressed the United Nations General Assembly in celebration of its 70th anniversary in 2015. We're going to share with you what he said at that occasion. Hang on to your seatbelt, my friend. We'll be right back. This is Viewpoint. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcasts live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. The New World Dogma, that's what we're going to talk about here in this segment of the program on Viewpoint. And uh, as I indicated, in 2015, at the 70th anniversary of the United Nations, Pope Francis addressed the United Nations General Assembly. And there he declared, and he was quoting Pope Paul the the, uh, Sixth. He said, the edifice of modern civilization has to be built on spiritual principles. So then Francis made very clear both his and the previous Pope's position as to the Vatican's embrace of the UN as the geopolitical entity to merge with the Vatican's perceived moral and spiritual aura to bring about the new world order, referencing even the UN's 2030 agenda. Here's what he said. This is the fifth time that a Pope has visited the United Nations. I follow in the footsteps of my predecessors, Paul the 16th, excuse me, Paul the 6th in 1965, John Paul the 2nd in 1979 and 1995, and my most recent predecessor, uh, Benedict the 16th in 2008. All of them, said Francis, expressed their great esteem for the organization that is the United Nations, which they considered the appropriate juridical and political response to this present moment of history. He said, I can only reiterate the appreciation expressed by my predecessors in reaffirming the importance which the Catholic Church attaches to this institution and the hope by which he places in its activities. Notice, he is declaring, as 
the head of an institution called the papacy, which he identifies as the Catholic Church, that the United Nations is the hope. He said the history of this organized community of states is one of the the important common achievements over a period of unusually fast-paced changes. So, how did some respond to that speech? Well, a commentary followed Pope Francis' speech to the UN on the 70th anniversary, and in response to his encyclical, Laudato Si, also issued in 2015, Here's what they said. Francis revealed the dogma that intends to replace belief in Christ as Savior. He is advocating for Catholics to unite behind a one-world government and surrender their freedom and sovereignty to international interests. Mm -hmm. Now, that very same submission to globalist dogma was further defined and declared by Pope Benedict XVI in his 2009 encyclical, Caritz in in Veritat, in which he stated, there is urgent need of a true world political authority. As my predecessor, John XXIII, indicated some years ago. In his latest uh, encyclical, Pope Benedict XVI called for creating a, quote, true world political authority, unquote, with, quote, real teeth, unquote, believing that the United Nations can be reformed to be the basis for this new global entity. This encyclical is binding as Catholic Church teaching or dogma. One observer said it should be seen as what it is, a theological and political earthquake. The Roman Catholic Church, which is once seen as the guardian of tradition worldwide, now wishes to use radical means, a true world political authority, for its own socio-political ends. In other words, to ride the beast empire. It's in formation. Now, that brings us back to Baha'i. And Baha'i proclaims the UN, or United Nations, beliefs. Baha'i beliefs are increasingly becoming the foundation and unifying force of United Nations beliefs, and through decades of papal proclamations being merged with Vatican geopolitical and spiritual views, have become congruent together. In other words, they're virtually indistinguishable. So now we're going to go back again to take a look at some of these beliefs of Baha'i as set forth in the Teachings for the New World Order, the 2003 edition. Here we go. The world's equilibrium has been upset through the vibrating influence of this most great, this new world order. Mankind's ordered life has been revolutionized through the agency of this unique this wondrous system, the like of which mortal eyes have never witnessed. It's talking about the rise of the New World Order, friends, which the prophet Daniel and also the book of Revelation refer to as the Beast Empire. Back to Baha'i. 
Unification of the whole of mankind is the hallmark of the stage which humanity and human society is now approaching. World unity is the goal toward which a harassed humanity is striving. Nation building has come to an end. The anarchy inherent in state sovereignty is moving towards a climax. A world must abandon this fetish, recognize the oneness and wholeness of human relationships, and establish once for all the machinery that can best incarnate this fundamental principle of its life. This is a modern statement expressing the previous view in antiquity of the building of the Tower of Babel, friends. And that language is virtually indistinguishable from the that which comes from the papal pens of the last three popes. Most dramatically from Pope Francis. But where is it leading? Where does it lead? What actions will this miraculous merger of geopolitics and man-centered religion reveal in this historic moment on the near edge of the second coming of Christ? Well, Baha'i makes it very clear. The end game of the Vatican vision and globalist Protestant promoters. Here's what they say. The unity of the human race as envisaged implies the establishment of a world commonwealth in which all nations, races, creeds, and classes are closely and permanently, permanently united. This commonwealth must consist of a world legislature whose members will, as the trustees of the whole of mankind, ultimately control the entire resources of all component nations and will enact such laws as shall be required to regulate the life, satisfy the needs, and adjust the relationships of all races and peoples. In other words, become a surrogate god. This is pretty amazing. If you grasp the the significance of this, friends, it is utterly and totally amazing. And yet, the United Nations buys into it. It is congruent with the view of the United Nations, a godless view, by the way, because the United Nations is largely a totally godless institution, So, the all-encompassing vision of not only Baha'i, but also of the so-called Great Reset planned by the World Economic Forum is supporting the Vatican vision for the new evangelization of the world under papal power. The word evangelization is being used not the way Generally, people would think of the word evangelization, which means to reach people for Christ. That's not how this is being used. This is talking about bringing the world under the wings of the Vatican and the papacy. That's the evangelization evangelization is talking about. In other words, reach out and bring everybody under this umbrella, this new world order umbrella. Because remember, Pope Francis said, and we launched the program today with his words, a one-world government is the only way to save humanity. 
want you to think about that and its implications because the implications are vast. So in the next uh, segment of the program, the final segment of the program today, we're going to have to look a little bit more deeply into what this quasi-religious enterprise looks like and what its implications would be under the mixture of papal power united with a massively godless secular beast empire. Now, as I share those words with you, it should remind many of you of the words of the book of Revelation, chapter 17, talking about a woman that rides the beast. What is that woman? If you read the description of that woman in Revelation chapter 17, you will find that it matches point for point a religious or or a quasi-religious organization called the Vatican, which is the secular expression of it, the religious called the Roman Catholic Church, and the one who rules both, the Pope, the papacy. Where does that lead? That's what we're going to be talking about in the final segment of the program today. Again, I would like to urge you, suggest that you might want to get a copy of my latest book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. We're just unveiling some of it here today. This is how a counterfeit Savior will be installed even in the name of Christ. You talk about deception. To install a counterfeit Christ in the name of Christ? That takes some chutzpah, doesn't it? Get a copy of the book. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. I counted an incredible privilege to be able to come before you day after day here on Viewpoint to confront the deepest issues of our hearts and our homes from God's eternal perspective. And if God didn't have a perspective on this, then why did he talk about these things in his word? Why did he include them in the book of Daniel 
which is the Old Testament version of the book of Revelation. Why did he do that? It's because he does not want those who profess to be his followers to be taken unawares. He wants us to be aware so that we will be prepared, so that we will not be taken advantage of, so that we will not be deceived. And it's because he loves us and because he wants us to be prepared, just like a father would want his children to be prepared for the eventualities that could otherwise uh, be very destructive in their lives. So God, as our father, loves us enough to give us an advanced understanding and warning of the world immediately preceding the second coming of his son. So it's not about trying to get people frightened. It's not about uh, trying to stir up some sort of a sensationalistic uh, message. And what we do here on this program, we try to restrain ourselves from sensationalism and stick with the facts, stick with the Bible has to say, relate the things that are taking place in our time right in front of our eyes with what God has said and then discuss how that impacts our lives and how you and I should respond. In other words, it should lead to change in your life and in mine. That's called transformation. So the information, while it's important, is not the most important thing. The most important thing is what it should accomplish in your life and mine as we recognize the import of what is taking place. You see, when Jesus gave his parables... He gave his parables so that those who were truly sincere and interested would be able to discern what he was saying. Because he said, having eyes to see, they see not, and having ears to hear not. He said, I speak to them in parables because they don't have eyes to see, they don't have ears to hear. They don't have hearts to understand. But those who do are going to understand what I'm saying through these parables. Now, here on this program, we don't use parables. We use the issues of our time as the vehicle for introducing the principles and authority of the Word of God. And every one of us has to take these facts, these uh, this understanding, and then respond to it as God would help us, have us to respond. Some may have to respond in repentance, preparing the way of the Lord, because Jesus is not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, right? No spot, no wrinkle, and no such thing. You say, well, I, nobody's perfect. That's true. But Jesus said, be ye therefore perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. So aren't you glad that we can come with the Holy Spirit quickens our minds and quickens our hearts, that there's an area of my life, your life, our lives, that is not consistent with God's expectations. It's called sin. And when he brings that to our minds and our hearts, 
then we need to keep short accounts with God. We go to him and we confess our sin for what it is. We don't make excuses for it. We confess it. We come clean before him and thank him for his forgiveness that he offers to us. And he said, if you'll confess your sin, I will be faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You see, that's transformation. And we need to do that as often as the Holy Spirit quickens our hearts, quickens our minds, reminds us that our attitude, our behavior, whatever, is inconsistent with the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord. It's not that difficult. It's like a little child that has to come before mom or dad and confess what they did wrong. And mom and dad, if they're a good and loving mom and dad, will listen to that child's confession, determine whether it's sincere, and if they perceive that it's sincere, that parent will forgive that child. And then they go on, and their their time together is restored, their heart is restored together, and relationship. That's what God is looking for. That's a major part of what it means to prepare the way of the Lord. It's not just about evangelism. It's not about telling other people about Jesus. That's only part of it. The beginning part has to do with getting our own lives right because he's not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. All right. Now, let's take a look. Let's go back and take a look at the Baha'i Principles that have, in effect, become the new gospel for global oneness and unity. Here they are. The oneness of mankind, universal peace upheld by a world government, independent investigation of truth. In other words, everybody determines their own truth. There is no absolute truth. The common foundation of all religions. The essential harmony of science and religion. That equality, in other words, If your religion doesn't line up with what is perceived to be accepted science, then your religion has to conform. That's basically what they mean. Equality of men and women. Elimination of prejudice of all kinds. I thought that was a matter of the heart. Universal compulsory education. What do you think would be taught? One world government. A spiritual solution to economic problems and a universal language so that everyone is speaking the same thing. Isn't that exactly what they did at the Tower of Babel? And that's why God confused their language, and that's why it was called Babel. They babbled. All right, now let's wrap it up. This all-encompassing vision of Baha'i and the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum Here is what Baha'i teaches. Leaving only to the imagination the terrifying consequences of this initially soft tyranny. Here it is. A world executive backed by an international force will carry out the decisions arrived at and apply the laws enacted by this world legislature. A world tribunal will adjudicate and deliver to compulsory and final verdict in all and any disputes. In other words, there's no appeal. A mechanism of world intercommunication will be devised, embracing the whole planet, freed from national hindrances and restrictions, and functioning with marvelous swiftness and perfect regularity. 
No resistance, in other words. A world language would either be invented or chosen. A world script, a world literature, a uniform and universal system of currency of weights and measures will simply and facilitate intercourse. In such a world society, science and religion will be reconciled, will cooperate and harmoniously develop. The causes of religious strife will be permanently removed. Economic barriers and restrictions will be completely abolished. Now, how's that going to happen? Force, friends, force. All these utopian quasi-religious goals are embraced fully by global politicians, priests, pastors, and popes, are tended to stimulate the intellectual, moral, and spiritual life of the entire race, they say. And finally, the glorious new globalist gospel, as papally evangelized among the world's citizens through the United Nations geopolitics, will reach its zenith led by the world executive, a counterfeit Christ or Messiah, bringing promised peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And so Baha'i reveals the consummation of it all. Here we go. Are you ready? A world federal system ruling the whole earth and exercising unchallengeable authority. It will be a system in which force is made the servant of justice, whose life is sustained by its universal recognition of one God, that is the merger of all religions, and by its allegiance to one common revelation, that is the Baha'i faith. Such is the goal towards which humanity, impelled by the uniforming forces of life, is moving. Are you beginning to get the significance here, friends? This can only take place, ushered in by what you might call soft tyranny, and resulting in the most tyrannical rule the world has ever seen. If the world thinks that Hitler or Stalin or Suleiman under the Ottoman Empire or Alexander the Great or any other great force, military force, trying to unify the world, if any of them think they were tyrannical, they ain't seen nothing yet until this vision is accomplished. And that's why the Bible warns about it. Ultimately, in order to unify the world economically, there would be a mark given. Revelation 13 and 14 that no man will be able to buy or sell except those that have the mark and the number of the beast's name. Enforcement, friends. This is not a matter of the heart that they're talking about. It's a matter of force. You either comply or you're out of here. That's not a rapture, friends. That's eradicating your presence on the earth by force or threat of force. That's exactly what the New Agers are calling for. Did you know that? If you want to find out a little bit more about these things, you might just want to seriously consider getting a copy of the book Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. You see, the whole world is competing. It's not just looking at 
Antichrist. But it's how the world is setting up its systems in order to compete in one final resistance to God as creator and sustainer of the universe and the savior of your soul. Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It's a $22 book, yours for $20 on our website, saveus.org. It's a 350, 60-page book, and uh, I do not think you're going to be disappointed as you begin to read. It's going to open your mind and your heart to the vast efforts out there that are unifying together for one great purpose, and that is to shake their fist against the God of creation and against his Son, Jesus Christ. Don't be caught. Don't be deceived. And don't be fearful. You see, preparation is the answer to fearfulness. Preparation and faith. $22 on the website, Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It will be yours. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And again, seriously consider what God would have you to do. Why don't you just ask him, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do to be your voice, your hand extended in this world in which we live as we see uh, things culminating, coming to a culmination, just as you've described in your word? What can I do to help get this message out? What can I help? What can I do, Lord? Here I am. Send me. Does that sound good? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Thanks for joining us. Again, become a partner. Send your gifts by faith, friends, to Save America Ministries. Go to the website, saveus.org. Write us. And we appreciate your letters and your emails. God bless. Be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.